Fish Bites Podcast. I'm Aram Layton, and we have a unique episode for you guys today. I felt like I'd be wasting your time discussing anything other than the potential John Carlos Stanton trade that has set the baseball world on fire. We at Fish Stripes identified three of the most likely destinations that John Carlos Stanton could land, that being San Francisco Giants, St. Louis Cardinals, and Los Angeles Dodgers in no particular order. It's worth noting that the three interviews didn't occur on the same day, so some advancements were made in terms of trade talks, minor, but some were made between interviews. Other than that, incredible insight given by the three writers. Can't thank them enough. First up, Grant Brisby, national SB Nation writer and also writer for the McCovey Chronicles. Grant, thanks for being on. You got it. Thanks for having me. The Giants have emerged as one of the favorites in the potential acquisition of John Carlos Stanton because of their expressed interest in taking on more salary, perhaps, than other teams. What can you tell us about how much money you think the Giants might be willing to take on? And is that notion correct, that they might be willing to take on more money than other teams? Yeah, it's the only thing that's going to get them in the discussion. When this started coming up last summer, my assumption was Look, the only way the Giants are even going to be in the hunt is if the Marlins are truly just interested in dumping, you know, the two hundred ninety-five million. Like, and no other team is willing to pick up all of that. Like, that's the only way because they didn't have the prospects, they don't have the the desirable young players uh, to compete with. You know, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, or whomever can come up in the discussion. Uh, since then, it's kind of like the the new owners came in and they're not so subtly saying, "Yeah, we just sort of want to," you know not have that contract on the books after paying a billion dollars. And other teams are a little bit wary of giving up their best prospects uh, for a a contract that a lot of people see as as being a market value if you were a free agent right now. Uh, So the Giants are, the Giants are involved. I mean, they technically don't have the money. I mean, like they shouldn't, they have a ton of commitments in the next few years. They're going to be paying uh, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Buster Posey, Johnny Cueto, Mark Melanson, Jeff Samarja. They're paying all these guys deep into their thirties and you're not going to get production out of all of them. You know, maybe not even next year, much less 2020. Um, So it's, it's a huge, huge risk, but of all the players who would come up, Stanton is the one that would make them sort of step back and go, this is different. This is a guy um, who's going to help us stay relevant. Attendance was down last year. Uh, You know, more than the bad year, it was just sort of a down uh, attendance here for for them. And they want to jump back and and kind of send a message to their fans. And this is like a, a generational player. This is a chance. This isn't them getting J.D. Martinez. This isn't them getting like Jason Bay back in the day. This is Giancarlo Stanton. He's a, he's a big deal. So I believe that this is the one player they would spend on. That was actually going to be my follow-up question is what's the pulse of the fan base? I know everyone wants, you know, the big slugger, the reigning MVP, But at the same time, you don't want your hands tied, like you said, with all these contracts that the Giants have for the next few years and and financial obligations. Are fans really pushing for Stanton and are they willing to kind of get him at all costs or what's the pulse with the fan base? There are some people who are really worried about the payroll and I don't blame them. In uh, two years, the Giants are going to have to figure out if they're keeping Madison Baumgartner. Uh, there, There are concerns with that. But I'm coming from the perspective of someone who followed the team in the 90s and even the early 2000s when the Giants weren't one of the top five payroll teams. Uh, you know, in the, the 80s and 90s, they were generally 
15th or lower, usually lower. Uh, even in the when they got the new ballpark, they were reluctant to bring in guys to, to get bonds uh, or some help. So it was like you would have bonds, and, but you'd have to trade Jeff Kemp because you couldn't afford anything. So this status is like a top payroll team to me is like, wow, this is amazing. Because if you're willing to do this every year, you can make mistakes and still build on the backside. It's when they made a huge mistake with Barry Zito, they were still able with some drafting, some luck, some minor league free agents that panned out to build a team around that bad contract. Now, if you're going to do that, do it with a player like Stanton, who is young, uh, who is probably going to be really, really, really good for at least three, four, five years. I mean, the odds that he doesn't give them some value in the near future is very, very, very low. The odds of him having uh, the remainder of a Hall of Fame career with the Giants a lot higher than they would be with almost anyone else. So if you're going to constrict future payroll, I mean, do it with a generational player. And let's talk about that, the offer, the reported offer, at least. I mean, it's unconfirmed that the Giants put forward and it was Chris Shaw, Tyler Bede, and Joe Panic, uh, and assuming that they would take on a lot of the payroll as well. But there was also said that D. Gordon was a part of that deal, and I think the Marlins might be more inclined to trade him as a separate asset. Do you think that the Giants would be willing to give up more than that in, in the assumption that they're taking on more money? Because I've, what, from what I've seen with the Giants' prospects, and I'm sure you could tell me a lot more about them, is Chris Shaw and Tyler Bede have underwhelmed to an extent in the upper minor league levels. Joe Panic obviously had a great bounce back year, but I'd love to hear what you could tell us about these prospects and whether you think it might take more to get Stan. You know, that the initial report from Craig Mish was, uh, I think, misconstrued a little bit in that he was saying names that have been discussed included Tyler Beatty, Joe Panic, Chris Shaw, Uh, Not necessarily like that was the offer. And then the report today, I think from John Morosi, was that, look, the Marlins would take Joe Panic. Like if that were the the hypothetical offer, uh, they would take it. Uh, It's a very weird deal for me uh, just because Joe Panic doesn't necessarily fit what the Marlins are going after. He's not necessarily cheap for the next three years. He's under contract, but he's already in his arbitration years. Uh, second basemen aren't the wildest hot commodity in baseball. And so they wouldn't necessarily need to flip them, especially if they're looking to trade D Gordon. Um, it's, it's just a really, really weird piece. So I think if that were the offer and the Marlins were putting in 45 million, I think was the rumor. I think they could do better. I really do. I mean, I love Joe panic. Uh, I think Shaw's got some potential BD is maybe a mid or back rotation guy. Uh, but I would think another team would do better than that. That, that rumor really surprised me. Um, I also think the Giants and Marlins could do better than that with each other. I think panic just makes such a weird fit for the Marlins. There's got to be another way to to get uh, the, some salary relief in there, some better prospects for the Marlins. Uh, you know, the Giants actually do have, in my opinion, a better prospect than that. They've got uh, Helen Ramirez, who is uh, very, very – he's a young 17. Uh, he was their first-round pick, and he's got – just wild tools and his performance he's hitting uh, his performance in the, in the Arizona league was, was uh, great. He's hitting balls 450 feet as a teenager. Um, that's, that's the kind of prospect. If I were the Marlins, I would be saying great offer. We need Ramos. And if, if they're not going to do that, you know, I, I would think another team could, could beat the offer. Um, but yeah, I, I think the rumor that was reported is a little, little odd to me. 
in the Marlins position where you're kind of cleaning slate and starting over, a guy like like Ramos with a higher ceiling seems like he makes more sense than these higher floor but lower ceiling type of guys like Chris Shaw and Beattie. But also, a lot of Marlins fans have been asking about Christian Arroyo. He got a taste of the major league, struggled a little bit last year, but the Marlins are likely going to deal Prado away. Don't They don't want to pay that contract. They still don't really have a steady shortstop. I'm not sure if, if he can play shortstop. I'm not sure if that's something that he's still trying to do. But do you think that there's any chance that the Giants would deal Christian Arroyo, or is he something of their long-term plans? I would think there's certainly a chance, insofar that he's not, you know, a top top fifty prospect or anything like that. He is uh he's a fun player to watch defensively at third base. Giants fans haven't really uh seen too much of him at shortstop. Seems like he can handle it. Uh seems like he can handle second base. Uh you know, but as what Giants fans really got to see was his defense at third, and it was generally excellent. Uh, so if you are looking at his minor league numbers, he's a career 300 hitter in the minors. He doesn't necessarily have huge walk totals, but he's not striking out a lot. He's a, um, you know, maybe a, a similar profile to, to Martin Prado in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I would think he could be included in a deal. The only caveat I have is that the Giants would really, really like him as sort of an organizational emergency plan for if they can't fill third base properly this offseason. If uh, Crawford or Panic does go down, you know, that's a pretty nice guy to have in a glass case. So uh, if he had to be included, I could see the Giants doing it. I would think that they would go a long way to trying to include anybody else. Do you think that the Giants have more of a probability in terms of acquiring Stanton because of their willingness to spend the money? Or does their lack of prospects kind of tie their hands behind their back? It definitely ties them a little bit because they don't want to pick up all that money. Uh, my, they really don't want to go over the uh, the, the competitive balance tax uh, for a third straight year and all the penalties that come with that. They really want to reset it, uh, go under, try for next year. Um, but I, I think that they're looking at this as sort of like – you're not going to get a chance at Giancarlo Stanton every year. You, just like the Yankees got a shot at Alex Rodriguez and they took it. Uh, the Giants didn't take their shot at Vladimir Guerrero when he was a free agent. And I think he was 26, 27. And they sort of regretted it ever since. He would have been a good fit for that park, that team. Uh, this is one of those players where it's it's not going to happen again. It's coming at a time where interest in the franchise is flagging just enough to scare the ownership group, which is one of the richest in baseball. Uh, it's a player whose skill power happens to be completely what the Giants need. It's an exciting skill in a in an area that the Giants are totally, totally lacking. Um, you know, the Giants had one of the worst home run hitting seasons of all time last year, um, at least in the modern era. And suddenly you're going to get a guy who almost hit 60. It's, it's like a, a real quick fix, but it's also not that in, sort of implausible that he'll give you value because he's so young. It's, it's a really special opportunity for them if they're willing to pay that money. And I think that's the only chance they have is if they pay that money. And another huge obstacle in the potential trade that I've failed to mention so far is the fact that Stanton does have that no trade clause. He's made it very public that he does want to be in the West Coast. That's where he's from. You know, it's where he went to high school. He was drafted out of high school in California. But he also made it just as clear that he wants to win now and he doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding operation. Not to say that the San Francisco Giants are, are rebuilding by any means, but they 
did just have one of the worst seasons in a long time that the franchise has had. Do you think that the Giants could sell Stanton on winning and, and say like, hey, we're, we're pretty close to winning. If we bring you in, we'll, we'll surround you with some pieces and next year will be a bounce back season. It shouldn't be too hard. I, I think the Giants last year was a, a calamity on so many fronts. It was their second worst season since moving to San Francisco. I mean, just phenomenally bad in so many respects. At the same time, before last season, when Fangraphs released their uh, steamer projections, they built a, um, their expected standings around that. The top seven teams were the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Nationals, the Red Sox, the Indians, the Astros, and the Giants. That's six division winners and the Giants. And they nailed it with six of them. And then the Giants are the only team that just fell in through the trap door. Um, so the Giants, what the Giants are expecting from their bounce back candidates isn't that bizarre. I mean, they're already sort of projected to be a 500 team. And that's just based on Madison Bumgarner not falling off a dang dirt bike. Um, <laughs> uh, Johnny Cueto bouncing back to the player he was the seven years before. Um, you know, there are reasonable assumptions sort of baked into what the Giants can do. Uh, you know, Panic can hit a little bit. Crawford, Belt, like these are all all-stars. Everyone in that infield that they have currently is an all-star. And then you slap Stanton onto that. Um, they're not like 36 year old guys. They're, you know, 29, 30, 31, reasonable to hope for a bounce back. Um, you know, it's, it's not implausible to think that they could contend. I know that seems Pollyannish, but it's, it, that's not just me talking. It's the computers. You put Stanton onto this current roster, no improvements, and the Giants are probably an 83, 84 win team. Then you start focusing on improving the center field defense, which was completely abysmal last year. Um, and you can get some more wins by fidgeting, squeaking the, or tweaking the roster here and there. Uh, so it's not totally impossible. It's something you could sell Stanton on. And then you factor in, um, you know, the 3 million fans a year, the, the generally healthy franchise and ownership group, that sort of stuff. It shouldn't be that hard of a sell. But I mean, I also watched the Giants play 162 games last year and they were pretty terrible. So. That was my big hesitation. In terms of fan bases, the Giants are up there with anyone, the most spirited and supportive fans, even though you said they did take a little hit with the attendance numbers last year. But who doesn't when you have as bad of a season as the Giants had last year? Objectively speaking, to wrap up here, what would you put the probability at, percent chance that you think that the Giants would land Stanton? I'm still low. I, I'm still going maybe 20%. I, I know that everyone's saying they're favorites. I know that it's they'll take more money on and stuff like that. I would have to think if the money comes down just a little bit, that the Marlins can really buy themselves some good prospects from another team, uh, some really some prospects to take back to their new their fans, their new fans and say, hey, we had to do this. Here's the bounty. If they're doing it and they're taking back guys who aren't appearing in the Baseball America top 100 list, man, that's going to be a, a hard sell. And it's not, you know, I, I know that most Marlins fans aren't necessarily up on the Baseball America top 100 list, but you get a sense. You, you get the idea if you're following the team just enough that people will say, wow, that's an underwhelming return for the dude that just won the MVP and hit 59 home runs. Um, I don't think the Marlins want to do that. And I, you know, unless they really, really want to just ditch that contract, I'm still a little skeptical about the Giants' chances. But that's me being a little cynical. No, I'm right there with you, to be honest. As much as I would like to see Stanton make it out to the West Coast, personally, I think the Cardinals might be the favorite 
with what they have to offer monetarily and in terms of prospects. Thank you so much, Grant Brisby of the McCovey Chronicles. Does really, really good work over there. And he has been covering the Stanton saga, for lack of a better words, this offseason. And definitely an excellent place to follow as well. Grant, thank you once again. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. So next up, we have the Dodgers. Some have been playing up the interest that LA might have in a potential John Carlos Stanton trade, and some have played it down. Totally, Not totally sure on what the Dodgers might be willing to give up, but that's why we brought in Eric Steven from True Blue LA. Eric, thanks for being on today. Yeah, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. So what can you tell us about the Dodgers' interest in John Carlos Stanton, and what's, what's kind of the pulse in, in LA? It, I mean... I think there's some like there's definitely like fan interest or I mean at least on the in the internet the comment sections etc but um you know he's from out here uh I just think from the from the Dodgers perspective I I I would probably gauge it as lukewarm right now but I think they're just sort of like on the on the periphery kind of waiting things out but I don't know I I I really haven't had a sense of how like to gauge like just how quickly this might happen you know, like if he were to go to another team or if the Dodgers think uh, they can, you know, wait it out till sort of, uh, I don't know, he, he sort of makes it clear that he would like only want to come out here. I think that's the most likely scenario. But yeah, for me, like it's kind of lukewarm interest for, for, for now, but like sort of I, I can never really I don't really have a good read on what their sort of uh, mindset is at this point. Well, Stanton's veto power is a really interesting point because he said he wants to win, and he also said he wants to be on the coast. The other two teams that have been said to be interested in Stanton are the St. Louis Cardinals, who are not on the coast, and the Giants, who are not in a great position to win. So that, like you said, the Dodgers could end up being the default and have a little bit more power in trade negotiations. But what do you think the Dodgers would potentially be willing to give up? I don't think they'd be willing to eat too much of the contract because of how high the payroll is. Um, but I'm curious what your perspective is on that. How much money do you think they'd be willing to eat, and who do you think they'd be willing to give up in a potential trade? Yeah, I think the the money is is an issue. It's it's probably less of an issue for the Dodgers, although they've they've. I mean, they'll never. I think they want to get like under the luxury tax threshold, which uh, this coming year may, might not be feasible. It's one hundred ninety seven million next year in two thousand nineteen. It's two hundred six. Um, I just. <laughs> Like I, I can't say for certain that they want to get completely under that. The, the issue with getting under is they're they're paying like a fifty percent tax now on anything they go over, and if you get under just one year, and if you then you start going over the cap again, that first year tax is twenty percent, um, and then thirty, and then fifty. So it buys them like a few years of like reduced tax. So the benefits are are substantial, but um, I think the main thing is there's now there's these like secondary penalties of like a it's you know if you're 20 million over the cap you get taxed at um another uh higher rate and then if you're 40 million over which they almost were last year it's like a 95 percent rate plus you your your first draft pick uh, uh, goes back 10 spaces so then the the costs get to be a little more real or not i'm not that money's not real but you know it's a little more substantial um I think those are the the bigger numbers that they're probably worried about. So, you know, obviously adding someone like Stanton uh, with, what, 10 years, $295 million left, that's a huge sort of um, 
I, I know I keep seeing it sort of referred to as a burden, although I think all the talk of like his contract being so onerous is that I think people are now almost underrating just how good he is. Like, it seems weird. Like, so I, I think like he's worth like getting. I don't think their interest in, in taking on the whole contract is there because, you know, look, like he was placed on waivers. Everyone gets placed on waivers in August and he cleared. I don't think that necessarily means no one would have wanted to take the contract for free. I think part of that was knowing the Marlins probably would have just pulled him back, like because um, thinking they could get something for him in trade. So it's not like a clear one-to-one like relationship for me there, um, but it's close. I mean, I, I think they would probably, you know, you know, this reported like Giants trade um, that I, I can't really. It's, it's hard to say for certain what's real and what's not, but you know, like. Um, Joe Panic, Tyler Beatty, and I, I forget the third piece in that deal, but that and the and the Giants like paying two hundred and fifty million of the the contract. That seems like a a pretty like beatable deal, like to me. Um, what what the Dodgers would give up? I would say, um, you know, probably if it's in that price range, you're looking at probably like Alex Verdugo, who's like their top outfield prospect and would be sort of on the outside looking in um, for a spot. They have like Andrew Tolls coming back from injury. Jock Peterson is getting into his arbitration years. He might be, you know, someone, you know, the the Dodgers would be willing to part with. Um, he has three years before free agency. Not sure exactly how if the Marlins would be com- interested um, there. You know, they have some pitching talent. Like you know, <clears throat> on the you know Brock Stewart uh, is probably a guy who would get mentioned. Uh, you know, Yadier Alvarez is one of their top pitching prospects. And then, you know, I don't, they wouldn't give up like Walker Bueller for him. He's their top pitching prospect. Um, but like some of the, the lesser ones, they, they would probably consider. Um, but it's really, I, I like, it's, this is such a weird market. I, I have, I don't know exactly, like, if that, if that Giants deal is like any indication of what the market is, like, I don't suspect the Dodgers would have to give up like one of their top prospects just to land him and I think but I think their best bet is sort of waiting him out and truly seeing where like where he wants to go um and if if it's if it's clear that like he wants to sort of almost force his way to LA then 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 that's when you sort of swoop in and take advantage of that but other than that I it's hard to really see a, a concrete interest at this point it's funny that you brought that up because I really when I saw that Giants offer um or for what for what the report's worth I definitely thought it was beatable, and I know both the Dodgers and the Cardinals can beat that offer with ease. But I think it'll ultimately come up, come down to whether the Marlins are really just trying to shed salary because the Giants will probably eat more uh, of the contract, if not all of it, compared to the other two teams we just mentioned, or they want to get some talent. And I, personally, I think for the sake of the fan base and for the sake of just rebuilding. I think the Marlins are in better shape eating some of the contract and trying to get some better talent out of the deal. What can you tell Marlins fans about Jock Peterson? I know it's an intriguing uh, – he's an intriguing return because we've seen him play on the big stage. We just watched him hit you know, home runs in the World Series. Obviously, he was not having that great of a year. He had a pretty good postseason uh, towards the back end. Do you think he can bounce back after the last two years being a little shaky and coming out of the gate so hot as his rookie season? Yeah, I th- I think um, he's definitely someone who could bounce back. I mean, he he's been such a streaky hitter. Like really, like all three of his seasons have almost been split into parts. Like um, the 2017 was a little more injury plagued for him. He he had a 
an um, uh, an injury earlier in the year, and then uh, and then at some point he he crashed into Yasiel Puig and then the wall and got a got a concussion and was out for a while. Um, he was hitting very well, uh, like the, in the middle part of the season, and then went into this horrific slump. He was like two for forty one. They sent him to the minors. He worked on some stuff. Uh, and came back, and then was he? He made the NLCS roster when Corey, and really it was a fortuitous thing for him. He wasn't on the division series roster, but Corey Seager got hurt, and because they had to sort of use Chris Taylor as sort of an infielder and outfielder at that point, they needed another outfielder on the roster. So they they added Peterson, and then he stayed on for the World Series, and then he just really started hitting again. And he had you know three home runs and some doubles mixed in. Um, and yeah, like the power for him is there. He's not going to, he's not a high average hitter. He's going to strike out a lot. He's, he's one of those guys. I think fans will probably be think a lot, uh, very, very, very frustrated while watching him because he strikes out and you'll hear announcers complain about him because of that, but he'll, um, he has a good eye. The, the um, his, the power is definitely there. The one concern I guess is, um, his defense, I, I, I don't know what, you know, metrics are available. That I'm sure the teams have better metrics than are available publicly, but his, like, sort of publicly available defensive ratings really plummeted this year. Um, and then I think StatCast rates him as one of the slowest, like, center fielders. So uh, he's probably better suited for a corner um, spot. But, yeah, I, I think he's definitely someone who could help And you know, three years of, you know, relatively cheap, you know, arbitration-fueled salaries, like – he, he's going to be like someone who, who would, you, you know, major league ready, obviously, and then who could help like right away. And that's the thing. It, it's going to be interesting to see which way the Marlins go in terms of the prospects they acquire, because I don't know if they would rather have higher ceiling guys that are further from ready in the major leagues or guys like Jock Peterson that can come right away and will be in your opening day roster and, you know, can contribute right off the bat. What what about uh, Verdugo? I know he struggled in his small sample size in the MLB last year, but he absolutely killed the ball uh, in the minor leagues. What's kind of the consensus on Verdugo as he is the second best prospect in the Dodger system right now? Yeah, so he's he's going to be someone who could play all three outfield spots. Has a really good arm. Um, I think the you know the issue with him is pro- is going to be. Uh, will he develop power? The the good thing he was still young. He was a twenty one year old at AAA all year, and and still you know his hit tool is pretty good, but in terms of the power, it really didn't show up a ton until he had a few streaks with it. But I think that'll be a concern. But there's like a, a sort of a lingering like under the radar concern that he's like, um, you know, there was some some effort questioned, and then also he or uh, he showed up or uh, showed up late to a game when he, in the in September with the Dodgers. And then so really didn't play much after that, although they were sort of in the pennant race. So that was part of why he didn't play a ton. But um, but I think that's part of just him being young. I don't think it's going to be a, necessarily a lingering concern. But, uh, yeah, I think he's someone who could, who could also be like, you know, at the very least a fourth outfielder now. And then someone, you know, I don't know what to what extent the Marlins are planning to sort of reshape their roster. I know their their outfield is one of the best in baseball with all three guys. But, you know, if they need um, someone to fill in, he, he's definitely someone who could who could do that. And the Marlins outfield could be completely gone after this offseason or or they could end up holding on to Ozuna or Yelich. Obviously, Stanton seems a Stanton trade seems pretty imminent. So from going back to that Giants offer, like you said, it's pretty easy to top it. What would be the Dodgers version 
of of that offer, I guess, in your eyes, in terms of what they would give up. Yeah, so I guess Tyler Beatty, um, I I don't know how far he's fallen as a prospect, but I would wonder. Um, I think like someone like a Brock Stewart um, is probably the closest. Has a little bit of uh, major league experience. Might be a starter. Might be a reliever going forward. It's hard to say. I don't know if he's as good as Beatty as a prospect, but he's sort of the guy there. Um, the major league ready guy, like the the Joe Panic, if you will, would probably be Jock Peterson. I know it's not a one to one thing because it's you know second baseman and outfielder. And then I, I would say probably um, I honestly just Alex, you know Alex Verdugo. If even though the, the Dodgers be giving up two outfielders, I think something like that, like Peterson Verdugo. Um, Brock Stewart, or then you could, I guess, mix and match depending on how they do the, like if, if they change it up a little bit, like uh, maybe Yadier Alvarez, one of their higher pitching prospects instead of Brock Stewart. So then you, you might switch up the rest of the deal, but something like that, Peterson, Verdugo, Alvarez. Um, and then I would imagine that the, that would get the Marlins to eat a pretty decent amount of the salary. But um, yeah, that, that's sort of the deal I, I would imagine. And that deal seems more appealing to the Marlins than the Giants deal. I think the prospects you named have a much higher ceiling. But in terms of Stanton's contract, from an outsider's perspective that you know covers another organization, do you really think that deal – I know it's backloaded, but is it really that out of the market value in terms of what you think players of Stanton's caliber will be getting in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's probably the thing for me is that uh, the ten year guarantee is 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 pretty hard to sort of fathom or, or like to uh, to you know take on, especially when you're giving up prospects and the main names I mentioned. I I, I don't know if the Dodgers are willing to even do those guys uh, in a trade, but um, just I'm just I was just trying to spitball there. But I think you know I think Sands contract you know he, the twenty nine and a half million a year. That's like pretty reasonable, especially coming off the year he had, you know, obviously MVP one is like the best, probably the best power hitter in the game going back, you know, as long as he's been in the game. Um, the The issue with him, obviously played 159 games this year, but he's been injury prone, you know, different, different maladies, you know, seem to sort of come up every single year. I know it's some of them are flukes. Like he's, you know, he got hit in the face one year. Um it's not like you're you're prone to get hit in the face or whatever, but uh, but it's just it seems like that's an issue. Like, and he's like, you know, still relatively young. Like, he's not Pujols. It's not he's not already in his thirties, so uh, it's not going to be like something where he's immediately a cripple in two years, basically. So I just think um, that's sort of the issue is that long term risk. I know Robinson Cano signed a ten year deal a few years ago, but like. Um, I, that's that's what's hard to stomach, I think, for teams. Um, so that's probably what more of the issue is um, than anything. But then, then I think also what complicates things further is that he has that opt out after three years. So um, that said, he'd be walking away from I think what is it two eighteen over seven. Uh, so that's you know a little bit over thirty one million a year. Um, that's a tough thing to walk away from at the same time, but who knows? Like if he has, what if he just does three more years like this last year, he, he'd be a fool not to walk away from that, you know, cause he'd, he'd really cash in. So, um, yeah. So it, are you getting, are you 10 years of Stanton or do you think you're getting three years of Stanton? It's really hard to say. So, um, 
that there's so many like little variables like that that makes this one of the more like complicated um you know potential deals yeah obviously it's going to be really complicated but he has to go somewhere and i asked grant brisby uh when i was talking about the giants with him he works with mccovey chronicles what his what he thought about the percent chance of the giants landing him and he said 20 percent. what would you give ballpark for the dodgers i know it's a tough question for the dodgers to land john carlos stanton this offseason is that, okay, so that's funny. Like, um, I would say around around twenty percent for the Dodgers right now, because I like honestly, like the fact the fact that they are already like the the Giants met with Stanton. I know it doesn't mean a deal's been agreed to, but the fact that they're far enough along in the process to get to approve that meeting, like that's that's relatively rare. I mean, I guess it happens in some cases, but that to me suggests that they're pretty far along. And I think if they're that far along, I think the the sort of the wheels have been greased a little bit, and I think uh, a deal's more likely to happen with them. Um, so, I, like I said, I think the Dodgers' best opportunity is sort of waiting around, and may, if if the meeting with Stanton, maybe with the Giants said, and he said, "Look, I don't really want to go there." Or ultimately, he doesn't approve a deal. That's when the Dodgers sort of swoop in and and you know let him get to the place where he really wants to go. If that's the case, I don't know that's the case, but so that's, I, I put it 20% for the Dodgers. And, and in fairness to Grant, I asked him that question before that report actually came out. The report came out right after I spoke Joe. to him. So <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that percent chance went up a little bit. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Eric's even of true blue LA a place to go for all things Dodgers. Can't thank you enough, Eric. Yeah, no problem. And now that I know that the meeting happened after you're talking with Grant, maybe maybe the Dodgers will meet with Stanton tonight. Who knows? <laughs> oh, oh, that might be – that's the way things are going right now. All right, thanks so much. <laughs> no problem. So last and certainly not least, we have the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, a lot has been said about the prospects the Cardinals could potentially offer the Marlins, but it's also been said that they may not be willing to give up as much money in the Stanton contract as the Dodgers and the Giants. To tell us more about this, I brought on Tyler Kinsey from Viva Alberto's, the St. Louis Cardinals SB Nation blog. Tyler, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. So Tyler actually recently interviewed me for an article on, on his blog, on the St. Louis Cardinals blog, and we kind of spitballed a trade in, involving Stanton. I can't completely remember what we agreed to, but I, I know Oledemus Diaz was part of the deal, so we're going to have to restructure on that end, but... Uh, what can you tell me about the St. Louis Cardinals before we get into trade talks? And what are, I, I've asked every single person that's been on so far, what can you tell us about the fan base? What do they think about a potential Stanton trade? Well, I think right now for the Cardinals fan base, but also the front office, this is the top priority just because right field is probably the weakest position in 2017. It rejects to be the weakest position going forward. So naturally, these two teams line up a bit. The Cardinals have this abundance of pitching depth and especially in their prospects this and the Marlins need that so I could see it working out the big thing at this point I think is going to be Stan's no trade clause and does he want to come to a Midwest city well Stan made it publicly clear that he wants to play for a winner but he also wants to play on the coast and that's where it kind of makes it interesting with between the Cardinals and the Giants as they're two of the favorites to land Stanton but as I said earlier in the podcast uh, the Giants are not quite winners right now, but they are on the coast. The Cardinals are in position to win, but they're not on the coast. So it, it's going to be interesting to see which one of those ideals Stanton compromises in terms of 
you know, where he wants to land or unless he can almost veto his way over to LA if, if the Dodgers are as interested as people think they are. But what can you tell us about uh, how much money the Cardinals might be willing to take on? And, you know, the Giants' big strength in terms of trade talks is that they want to take on the most money. And the Marlins have been said to have been more focused on unloading the money rather than a prospect return, which the Cardinals' strength is probably the prospects they have to offer. Well, it's frustrating because this team prints cash. They end up down year, they get over 3 million people going to the games. They had a revenue, I think, this year of over 300 million. They have the money to get stand on their payroll and it wouldn't be a problem. Wainwright's making about 20 million. He'll be off the books next year. So the money isn't a concern as far as the Cardinals are nearing the luxury tax or anything. They can't do it. But the real question is, will they be willing to? And I guess one option too is save the money, maybe wait for the Cubs to try to make one last hurrah with their core and go spend it next offseason or the offseason after. But I think the Cardinals, they can definitely match whatever the Giants are willing to offer payroll-wise. And at that point, the tiebreaker becomes who has more prospect depth. And obviously that is St. Louis. If St. Louis is really willing to give up the money like you say they are, then it definitely seems like St. Louis should be the favorite to land Stanton. Like you said, you they could wait till next year to you know spend that money, but you really only get one shot at a generational talent like John Carlos Stanton, reigning MVP, a guy that hit 59 home runs and has showed that he could probably hit more. So it, it's interesting to see if the Dodgers really want to go all in, or the Dodgers, the Cardinals rather, really want to go all in now or if they want to kind of wait like you said and and wait for free agency you know guys like Manny Machado will be free agent Bryce Harper among others and it'll be interesting to see what they do but Wainwright coming off the books would definitely be huge what do you think it'll take prospect wise for the Cardinals to bring in Stanton well it is going to be that sliding scale obviously where the less money you take on the more you're gonna have to give up in terms of prospects and I think the Giants what was it, 240, 250 is the number that's floated about. We don't know what St. Louis is willing to offer, and I'm guessing it's probably not going to be that much. So that probably puts them in a tougher situation because Reyes, I don't think, will get traded. But you look further down the system, Jack Flaherty, he was the guy we talked about in our kind of mock trades. I could see him. The Marlins were interested in Dakota Hudson this past summer. They had scouts going to his games, and then Sandy Alcantara, that flame-throwing 100-plus mile-an-hour righty, the Marlins have been interested in him. The Marlins have always kind of had an affinity for hard-throwing right-handers, even when they don't work out like Tyler Kolek, who they selected second overall four years ago. It seems like it was two years ago because he's only pitched about one season. If that, he's still on the mend from Tommy John. But the Marlins have always kind of had this, this interest in hard-throwing right-handed arms, and that's why it'll be interesting to see if they go after Alcantara. I know a lot of people have been saying Reyes seems untouchable, and I've been surprised to see that Luke Weaver has not come up much in talks. I don't know if it's because he's more of a higher-floor, lower-ceiling type of guy where you know what you're going to get with him. He just pitched almost a full season in the major leagues. He was he was very solid, but I'm curious what you think. Do, do you think Luke Weaver could be in the, in the talks of a potential trade, or is he kind of showed you what he's going to be in terms of his potential? I like the way you put that high floor, low ceiling. That's kind of a, been a debate among Cardinals fans. Hypothetically, if let's say you have a stand trade in place, but you have to give up one of Flaherty or Weaver, which one would you give up? And there's kind of this divide that Flaherty has the chance to be this ace or frontline starting pitcher. And not to say that Weaver can't be a reliable number two, but he's not going to win any scions probably or be that ace that can lead you to a World Series. Also, on the Marlins end of things, too, it's a similar discussion because 
do you want to take the chance on a guy like Flaherty when um, you really have no help in the rotation right now, or a guy like Weaver that can you can plug right into the rotation and you know he's going to give you quality innings, quality starts uh, right away. When Flaherty struggled in my, in the minor leagues last season, um, curious what you think of the struggles, what you think they stemmed from, if they were control issues, or if he, was he just not missing bats, or or what it was. But in terms of his ceiling, that's that's indisputable. He he has ace type stuff. But what was Flaherty's problem in in the minor leagues? Because I know he seems to be one of the most likely guys that would come in a potential Stanton trade. Well, he was actually decent in the minor leagues this year. It's that 21 innings in the major leagues. And again, it's 21 innings from a guy who's, what, 22? So make of it what you will. But the walk rates with him, I think, is going to be key. It was up to 4.22 per nine innings in the major leagues this year. And it's been consistently lower in the minor leagues. And then the strikeout rates, he doesn't have the overpowering 100-mile-an-hour stuff like Alcantara does. But I think he has this interesting mix with his breaking ball where he can get hitters out that way. So I think the question really is going to be what type of prospects are the Marlins looking for? Are they looking for more of those home run picks or the safer bets to kind of give their younger talent that stability? And normally I could go off of what the Marlins have done in the past with trades and what kind of guys that they target. But with Jeter kind of overhauling from the inside out and bringing guys in like Gary Dembo, who's one of the leaders in the overhaul of the Yankees and did a great job over there. I mean, as you saw in a rebuilding year, how well they did, he's definitely going to have much more of an impact in terms of player development and, and who the Marlins may go after, even though they did still keep Michael Hill, the GM around, which actually surprised me. But what do you think package wise, what would it take for the Marlins or for the Cardinals, rather, to get John Carlos Stanton, what kind of package would they have to give the Marlins? I know it's a slippery slope with the money, and and it depends, like you said, with the sliding scale. But what do you think it would take in terms of just kind of a median type of offer? Well, what I've imagined right now is what I'm thinking is happening is that I think the Cardinals and Giants both have agreed to deals with Miami at this point. We're waiting to see. Because Stan is still holding out at this point that the Dodgers are going to jump in and make an offer for him. That's He'll get to go to the team he's always wanted to go to. But assuming the Dodgers don't jump in and that this does become a two-horse race between the Giants and Cardinals, the Cardinals have the upper hand, obviously. Uh, what are the Giants talking about? What did Grant say? Beatty, probably, and Arroyo? So Arroyo is not even being discussed, which surprised me because the Marlins could really use an infielder. Grant Brisby earlier on the show told me that he was thinking it's going to be more along the lines of Chris Shaw, Beatty, and and maybe Joe Panic was discussed, but that's also been said that he might not be a part of the deal. And it could be someone like like Ramos, who is a, a young 17, as, as Grant put it, but his ceiling is sky high so it's really interesting in in that side of things because they really can't put together a great package Shaw is you know you know what you're going to get with Shaw power hitter high volume strikeouts his ceiling is not that high Beatty struggled in the minor leagues he is projecting to a back of the rotation type guy and you know you get Joe Panic. you know what you're getting with him as well the Ramos would be, you know, the high ceiling type home run type of guy that you can try and take a chance on. But it seems like the Giants package is more centered around the money they're willing to take on. Absolutely. And I think that's one of those things where 
if money is Miami's top concern, and that was one thing I was joking on Twitter yesterday that obviously you were upset about, I can't remember who said at the Fish Stripes account that they were upset that the Marlins were making the money the top priority and not the prospects. Yeah, that was that kind of infuriated me because I understand that you when you buy a team, you have to start over, you have to make money, and you have to cut payroll. But when you're trading away your best player, you know, a generational talent, and you have nothing to come back with to show fans, hey, like, hey, this is what we got, and this is what we're going to bring back to you, and, and there's a reason to be excited for the future. I don't think you can sell fans on, hey, we cut some money, you know, we're going to, we increased our profit margins and our payroll is going to be lower this year and we'll probably be in the bottom five in the MLB in terms of payroll. I don't think that's something that's going to get fans very excited and especially fans that have endured so many terrible years of fire sales and trading their best players and, and of course the tragic loss of Jose Fernandez. It, it just doesn't seem like a very exciting thing for fans to rally around with a new ownership, especially one that's led by a figure like Derek Jeter, who has definitely not gotten off on the right foot. Exactly. And I think the Cardinals, when you look at their payroll situation, like I said, they're fine money-wise taking on Stan's contract or the majority of the question is, will they and is ownership willing to do that? And I think it boils down to any contract or sorry, not any contract, any offer that the Giants propose at the very least, the Cardinals can match it, if not surpass it in any way. So the only way this shouldn't happen from a Cardinals fan perspective is that Stan absolutely refuses to come play in St. Louis. And at this point, you can't get too mad at the front office because they can try to be as persuasive as possible, but there's only so much of that they could control. That's the thing. And, you know, you like fans have accepted it, the fact that I think Stanton's going to be gone. But... At the same time, like I said, you really need to get that return back. What are Cardinals fans saying? Are Cardinals fans really hoping to land Stanton? Or is the money something that the fans are kind of skeptical about? This is a team that balked at Max Scherzer, who a ton of us were calling for the team to sign. Hometown guy, he openly said, hey, I take a discount to come back home. He went to high school here. Didn't sign him. Then I think it was the following offseason, they finished in second place on Price and Hayward. So... There are a lot of fans who are very frustrated with this front office as far as their inability to land that star long-term ever since the trade for Matt Holiday and signing him. So if the Cardinals don't get Stanton, and I'm not sure who the favorite is at this point. I think it's the Giants just because Stanton holds some of the cards in his hand with the no-trade clause. But people are going to be infuriated here if they don't get Stanton. He's been the top priority for a while here, and... It's just tough to say how people are going to react if they don't get him. It's not going to be pretty. I'll say that much. If the Cardinals do land Stanton, do you think they're instantly uh, World Series contenders? Or where do you think that places them in terms of contention? The tough part is, is that the Cubs right now, I mean, who's their fifth starter? Eddie Butler or Luke Farrell or something? The Cubs are going to get at least one starter this offseason. So the problem there is, yes, you gain a ton of ground on the Cubs by getting Stanton, but... Not only do you have to match whatever upgrades the Cubs make, but then you have to surpass that if you want to talk about potentially winning the division against them. That's going to be the interesting thing. And, and I guess a lot of it is kind of leans on the Cardinals' potential rotation because one of these young guys that we've named that doesn't end up coming to Miami in a potential trade uh, is going to have to step up and at some point probably eat, pitch some innings for the, for the Cardinals in the majors, if I'm not wrong. Uh, and it, it's probably going to be Reyes. Am well, I right? The thing with Reyes is since he's coming off Tommy John surgery, the plan so far with him is they're going to 
try to ease him back in. He'll be on some sort of innings limit. We don't have a set number at this point, but in all likelihood when he does come back, which they haven't ruled out opening day yet. He was on a pretty good throwing schedule towards the end of the season, the last we'd heard of him. But I think when he does come back at some point in 2018, it's going to be out of the bullpen at first. And maybe later in the season, they ease him into the rotation, but they're going to have to try to get those innings somewhere else. And it'll be interesting to see how the Cardinals get those innings. And so this is the last question I've wrapped up with everyone so far. What would you put the percent chance of the Cardinals landing John Carlos Stanton? I mean, the eternal optimist in me says, yes, they have the prospects. They have the money ability to take him on. But at this point, here's what I think will happen. I think the Dodgers won't go in at Stan because they're worried about the luxury tax. And I don't think it's just a good fit for them. So eventually, at some point soon, I think Stan will kind of let that ship sail. At which point, the Red Sox just said earlier today, and we're recording this on Sunday. I don't know when this will go up. That they're officially out on Stan. So it's essentially the Cardinals and Giants now. and. The question becomes, I think, where does Stan want to play more? Unless Miami, if Miami is convinced that St. Louis has the better offer, then maybe they try to leverage Stan into forcing him to St. Louis, saying, hey, it's St. Louis, or you get stuck on this rebuild all alone when we trade Azuna and Yelich and everyone else. But I just think that as much as I hate to say it, I think Stan is going to find a way to get himself out to the West Coast whatever way possible, and that would be San Francisco. So... As far as a percentage, probably one in three, maybe. So 33% we have. That's the highest percent chance that I've been given so far, believe it or not. It seems like every team is a little skeptical that they think that they're going to land him. Um, you know, Grant gave me 20%, and and that seemed to be the, the trend so far, too, until uh, you gave me 33%. Eric Stevens of uh, True Blue LA also gave me 20%. Thank you so much, Tyler Kinsey, for coming on. Absolute baseball guru if you check out his work at Viva Alberto's. He did an awesome piece in a mock trade discussion with me and puts together these amazing charts that I can't even understand, but you guys probably can. And they are really, really good projections into what you could see for this following year.
definitely check out what he's got going on over there. And that'll wrap it up for this week's podcast. I hope you guys liked it. I know it was a little different than the usual episode. And uh, I'll probably see you guys when Stanton's traded. Thanks so much for listening.